Welcome to the Adoption Today podcast. I'm Carrie Wilds. I'm Karen Lear. We do real talk on adoption and this journey called parenting. Welcome to Adoption Today. I am super excited that we have um, part two of my friend Barbara's story. Um, Hey, Barbara. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on again. Um, So if you guys listened to the episode we had in February with Barbara, um, we left off with they, her and her family were waiting to um, go and basically meet the little girl that they were matched with from Korea. So I'm super excited to get into... um, an update and kind of talk about everything that's happened since then. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an amazing journey um, since we last spoke and I am happy to kind of share the high level details of, of kind of how it all played out. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we published the episode in February, but it actually all went down like before Christmas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of, so Barbara, kind of take us back to, um, you know, when you guys, and what happened with um, being able to plan your trip to actually go over and meet her? So there's a series of steps of paperwork, as any adoption has. And um, the first, there's, there's two trips that you take when you adopt internationally from Korea. The first trip is to meet the child. You typically have um, two visits with them at the welfare center. Um, sometimes you get to go see the foster home that the child's being raised in. Um, for us, we were at the welfare center and, um, during those two trips, you just play, there's a room full of toys, you meet the foster family and, um, you have two different visits. And then the next day you appear in court and finalize all of the adoption paperwork and you're kind of, uh, interviewed by the judge. Um, so we, we did that. It was just my husband and I that went for that visit. And, um, yeah, our, our little girl was just, you know, she loves to play with toys. We met the foster mother. She was, you know, just this amazingly loving woman. And so it was really neat to, um, to just get an idea of the person that had been raising her. And, um, yeah, Tessa just warmed up to us pretty quickly. I think she saw us as just like some fun, um, babysitters and you know just just these fun people that showed up and um and when the hour was over she waved goodbye and and that was it and then the next day we had another play date with her and she really kind of came out of her shell more in that case the foster mother and the social worker who's kind of like our translator left the room right away and they gave us about an hour and a half just to play with her and she was laughing and giggling and but then again when her foster mother showed up she realized okay it's time to go she waved us goodbye so it was a little bit it was, it was great to see her, but also hard to say goodbye. Um, and then the next day we went to court and um, we were there with a few other families from all over the world. There was a few families from Australia and then also from all over the United States. And um, we appeared before the judge and the judge asked the families kind of different questions regarding your case. The, the judge always asked, you know, are you satisfied with your child? Do you want to move forward? Um, and then in our case, you know, they were asking about... Um, uh, my biological children and are they excited to have a sibling? And so it only took about five or six minutes in front of the judge. It was very quick. It's more of a formality than anything else. 
And then we just had time to explore Korea and we got to, <clears throat> excuse me, explore the capital. And then we also traveled south to where our daughter um, was born and got to see her hometown. So that was really great. And so that kind of gave us some insight as to what she was like and her personality. But it was hard to get on the airplane and fly home. Um, after you appear before the judge, it takes about four weeks to get what's called final approval. And at that time, um, then you have clearance to book your next trip over and actually come and gain custody of the child. So, so I actually have like a couple questions <laughs> because it's like, you know, like it's such a short process, like that part, like when you're there and like the actual, like, you know, judge kind of approving this whole thing. But like when, you know, before you met her, like you had a few pictures and like, you know, quite a bit of info about her and stuff, but like, what did it feel like when you were actually in Korea and like you saw her in person for the first time? Like, what did that feel like? It was pretty surreal. I mean, I, we tried to have a realistic viewpoint and also put our minds in tune with what a two-year-old would think. And so I knew she wouldn't run up to us and hug us or, you know, we were strangers. So I tried to, you know, even though we wanted to run up to her and hug her and kiss her, you know, kind of give her time to, to warm up to us. So it was a little bit surreal in that she was going to be our daughter. Um, but it was like a, you know, a process of getting to know each other and that that would take some time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I thought about my other children. They don't just run up to strangers and say like, oh, you know, so it's, it's the same thing. And in her mind, her foster family did a wonderful job of explaining to her that her family was coming, that they all along, they had pictures of us up in the apartment and they would have her go and point to your mom, point to your dad in the picture, point to your brother. And then the foster parents would say, where, where are they? And she said, they're coming for me and take me home on an airplane to the United States. Wow. So she, she knew that like, this was not her final stop. And I think that's what really helped her in the transition is that she, she was prepared to go. Like she was, she was waiting, she was waiting for, you know, her family to come. Um, wow. That's so. like, that in itself is like amazing that those foster parents are like, preparing her and like teaching her that that is what's going to happen. That's like awesome. Yeah. I think that really helped the, the attach the detachment from them and the attachment to us. And I think she'll always have a really special place in her foster mother's heart. Um, and her foster mother had been fostering since 1980. So she has done this. Oh, you wow. know, she's maybe a like hundred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, but it's still really hard, you know, the day of custody when we flew back over with the whole family, her foster mother, she could tell she'd been crying and crying and crying. I mean, they, de they definitely form a bond with these children mm -hmm. um, because they've been loved so well. But um, but yeah, she she said that she had our daughter help um, pack the suitcase and she had all of her um, favorite foods prepared and ready. And um, so she really it's really a, a whole process that takes you know, everybody involved to make it successful. Yeah. So that first, when was, remind me when that first trip was that you guys went? The first trip was the week before Thanksgiving. Okay. That started in November. So yeah. then, so then when you guys got home, how soon was it after that, that you got to plan to come back? So we were waiting, you get partial, it's like a whole series of steps. So you get what's called partial approval sometimes just a few days after your court trip. Um, but you have to wait for final approval. 
um, which is when the court paperwork has been fully processed and she's basically officially and legally your child. Um, so we got final approval mid, um, mid December. And then we were able to book, we had like three days from the time we got final approval. We left, we left them three days later, um, to go get her. So it's a very quick turnaround and it's really hard, you know, being around the holidays, the, the prices of everything is like double and, but you just have to be ready to, to do, do it. it. I mean, we know some families that they got approval like in the morning and they were on a plane that night to go get their child. So it's, oh, wow. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty amazing just to see, you know, they drop everything and you don't know it's coming. So it's like, you tell your work, you know, you tell the school, okay, we're on notice, you know, we might just be hopping on a plane tomorrow kind of thing. So yeah, that's like, I mean, you just drop everything and go. Yeah, you just go. And we wanted to get her home before Christmas. That was our goal. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, so how did yeah. you, so how did you guys decide? Um, I think that's amazing that you brought like your other two kids too. Like, how did y'all decide to, because I know when we had talked before, you're like, we're not sure if it'll just be us yeah. or all four of us, but that is so cool that you all got to go on this trip. Yeah, we weren't really sure. Um if it would be a good thing or if it would be very distracting, like we wouldn't be able to focus on, you know, our new daughter because our other kids would be, you know, jumping all over the hotel room or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> and I didn't know, um, I didn't know if she, that what the grieving process would look like for her. I mean, kids grieve when they're removed from the foster family in all different ways. And so, you know, in, in one way I thought the other kids would be a good distraction and they could run around and play. And in another way, if she's just, you know, kind of an emotional mess, she, you know, she might need two of us to kind of help console her. And so like having the other kids there would be more difficult. But in the end, because we, we kind of got to know her personality during the court uh, visit, she seemed pretty playful and pretty goofy. And so we thought, okay, I think we're going to bring the kids and we wanted them to see where she was coming from, understand the culture, um, that we don't just like show up on the airplane and here's, here she is, you know, they were able to really you know, meet the foster mother and, and go to the welfare agency. They, they, we got a tour of like the baby rooms. They got to see where like the newborn babies are. And so it was really, I think, eye opening for them in terms of opening their worldview in terms of, you know, there's lots of different ways to make a family and that this is a, you know, there, this is a kind of an international issue, you know, of children needing families and that um, they kind of opened their eyes to that. Yeah, definitely. Because how old are your other two kids? Um, how old were they when They're, they went with you? They were five and eight. Five and eight. So, I mean, that's like the perfect kid age for them to have this like amazing memory of like when they met their sister. Yeah. For the first yeah. time. Like how did they, how, so when you went back, um, what happened when you guys got to go and take the kids and like meet her all together for the first time? I think, you know, I think they, I asked them that morning. I mean, I was, we were all, my, my husband and I, we were pretty like nervous and just, you know, you just the weight of the responsibility of like, oh my gosh, you're just going to be handed this child that you know almost nothing about. And you're going to have to console them. You're going to have to try to feed them foods and you're going to have to, you know, just all this was starting to weigh pretty heavy on us. Like, you know, the day before and the day of that we were going to get her and then, you know, checking in with the other kids, like, how are you feeling? And, 
you know, our six-year-old daughter is just like super loving, super self-sacrificing. You know, she's already like, well, she can just, you know, use any of my toys and she can just wear any of my clothes. I mean, she's just like the most like giving person. Whereas our son <laughs> is, you know, he's a little bit more self-centered. And so he's just like, well, I don't even like, even the morning of, he's like, I don't understand why we're getting another little sister. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't need someone to like wreck my Lego creations. And I don't, you know, like he kind of has not had a great attitude about any of this whole process just because it's like well one more little sister like kind of thing <laughs> so but they were both just kind of quiet I think they weren't really sure how this was all going to play out and so but I thought we'd have some time when we reached the welfare center like you know because you, you kind of wait in this little cafe and then but when we arrived like uh Tessa was already there like in the lobby with her foster mom so it's just kind of like hi oh there she is and you know we didn't have time to think about it um but her mom, her, you know, the foster mom was already like dabbing her eyes of tears. And, you know, so it was just Aww. like, oh, my goodness. But it was amazing that um, so they moved us into this little room off the off to the edge of the cafe. And the foster mom had brought um, these little notebooks and pens, one for each of my kids and one for Tessa, you know. And, and so they had these activities to do together. She had a matching dress for Sabrina to wear that matched the one that Tessa had on. She had had um, these picture frames, like, knitted with these, like, cool pictures for each one of the children. I mean, she had put so much thought into this transition process um, that it was neat. She had two huge grocery bags of all of Tessa's favorite foods. Um, so, yeah, so it was really neat just to see all the work that she'd been she'd put into it. And, um and the kids just started to like playing right away, even though like I think Tessa had never heard English like ever, besides maybe during our play dates when we saw her the previous time. She didn't know English at all. Um, she knew she knew quite a bit of Korean. She was very had a lot of verbal skills. Um, so but they would draw funny pictures on their notebooks and laugh and she would laugh. And so it was just kind of started the connecting process even just right then and there. Um, and then the process, so after maybe like ten minutes of that. Um, the translators, you know, has said, do you have any other questions for the foster mom? And so I was trying to think like, okay, you know, is there anything else I need to know to care for this child for a lifetime? Because after that, you really don't have communication with the foster parents. They actually prefer you not to. Oh, um, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Besides through letters, we do send her updates, but I don't get any information from her. So it's like, if I had any questions or anything, it's like, you can kind of go through your foster, through your social worker and then eventually maybe get an answer. But Honestly, like that last meeting face to face is kind of it for a while. Um, they asked they asked to kind of not have any more meetings with foster parents for about a year, just so that the bonding can be really solidified with the new child and the new family. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so after about like ten minutes of that, we they loaded us in vans. We were with uh, one other family who just received their son, and off we went back to the hotel. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So the foster mom like held her by the hand and walked her to the van and, and said goodbye. And Tessa just like put her arms up and wanted me to, you know, put her in the van and she sat on my lap and we had, I, I brought like a whole bag of toys for the van ride. So it was about 35 minutes. And so I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have a screaming child. And, you know, we've, we've heard stories. A lot of kids cry themselves so hard. They just pass out and fall asleep. You know, I didn't, Aww. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And the little boy in front of us did. He screamed the entire time clawing at the door, wanting to get out, you know, it's just so hard for them to understand why they're taken away from what they, the, they know of as their mother. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but Tessa, like, she was just like laughing at, you know, my other kids and like, we we're 
pushing the sound buttons on this book and she thought that was hilarious and so I took I have a picture of like her and I it's like a selfie and she just has this big smile on her face and it's just like so she just has a really kind of happy-go-lucky personality and just just kind of goes with the flow which has been the case ever since so um we got back to the hotel and we had like you know all these toys we brought and so we had them all like arranged around the room and she ran in and just played and played like the kids probably played for like three hours together we had this like porch that they could throw balls around we blew bubbles I mean she was just like laughing her her heart out so um she like let me you know change her diaper she lay down for a nap she let me brush her teeth that night she you know fell asleep in my arms she climbed in my lap and wanted to fall asleep in my arms I mean it was just kind of like she slept 11 hours straight so she's she's we're really lucky in that she is um she's just been a very positive person. Um, and so I think that, I think her foster mother did a wonderful job taking care of her and her personality is just pretty amazing. So, yeah, I wish I could have the foster mom on the podcast too. She sounds like such an amazing person who's been doing, Yeah, I mean, can you, I can't even imagine how many kids that she's done that for. Yeah. So many, and she's a big advocate, you know, adoption in Korea is very kind of like taboo. And what makes her unique is, so she has, I think she has three biological daughters, the foster mom. So she's 70. So her daughters are like, you know, 30s or 40 or whatever. Um, But her daughter, she's one daughter in New York and one daughter there in Seoul. And her daughter who lives in Seoul, Korea, adopted two little boys out of the system there, which is very unusual. So So the foster mom during the day, she would watch these two little boys and Tessa. So Tessa grew up with these two little boys that were adopted into the foster mother's family. And so, you know, I think adoption is a really, really important, obviously, to this foster family. And um, so that's, they're really unique. They're really unique to be in Korea and, and have that heart for adoption. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, overall, like, it's really cool to hear um, such a positive, you know, well-transitioned um, kind of way that it happened. Because I feel like each story is totally different. And a lot of times you don't, you know, it's not like that positive but I know because I know you guys were kind yeah. of preparing for like whatever could happen oh, yeah. whether it was good or bad and it like turned out so great yeah I mean you know yeah I mean we were thinking we would make never sleep again you know we just had I no know. Idea, like, <laughs> like, like we we don't know if we'll ever go on a date again ever like I don't know if I'll ever get go to the dentist again because I have her you know like I, I was like ready for like not having <laughs> it just seemed so like oh my gosh but um you know, and in the moment, you know, it's like, even if you have like a newborn of your own, like, it's just, you feel so like encumbered and then they grow up and you're like, oh, that, okay. That phase is done. But, um, yeah, but she's, she's just like very independent and she wants to be doing what the older kids are doing. And, but, um, yeah, I mean, she's, she just went and did, she liked to get out and do things. So we stayed for about four more days in Korea and she just loved playing with the kids. She'd want to, we did, we went to museums, like some some foster, some um, families, adoptive families, they kind of stay close to the hotel and, you know, keep the world, their child's world real small. And, and, and it, that's just a decision everyone has to make, but knowing her, seeing her personality, she's just such a, like a extrovert and she loved getting out and she loved running around the children's museum. And, you know, so she, she wasn't having any nightmares at night. She wasn't having any, you know, issues that we could see. So we felt like, okay, we could do this, but you know, we would have made different decisions had it been differently, but, um, so, 
Yeah. I mean, she just, she's, she loves to joke around. She's super goofy, but she's like really caring. And, um, we, we'd asked the foster mom if she'd ever been swimming because we had a pool in our hotel and we thought, well, that might be too much for her to like be thrown into a new culture, a new family. And then go swimming. Yeah. And then like, Hey, let me drop you in a big thing of water. And, uh, (laughs) but then when we met her, we're like, I don't know. She seems pretty up for anything. So we did. And she like, loved it I mean she was like trying to get us to like let her go like we were holding on to her and we were like girl you can't even swim like you know but she was just like let me do this kind of thing so and then the first the first time she had ever cried since we'd gotten her was when we had to leave the pool so um I mean she had literally not cried once um so except for when we had to it was time to go back to our room. Oh, from the pool. Yeah. So like you guys were, so you guys were a family of four and then like pretty immediately, I mean, once, you know, you like after 10 minutes, like you're magically a family of five. Like, was it, was it just like, yep, this is, you know, this is what it is now. Like totally made sense, like really fast. Or did it take like a little while for you to feel like, okay, these are our three kids. Like, cause it's not like giving birth where, you know, like right. you have a newborn and you're like, she's two, she's over two. So like almost three. So like, yeah. how quickly was it like, yep, we're a family of five. Like this is our daughter. You know, like how fast was that? Probably took me a few days. I mean, I think I was in shock maybe the first two days, just kind of like, <laughs> okay, wow, we, we did this. We totally did this. <laughs> but she really bonded to us pretty quickly. Um, I mean, she liked to have all of us together. I think there was a fear of, okay, now that I have you, I I want to, I want to keep everybody. Right. So yeah. she, you know, it's like someone would go to the bathroom in the hotel room and the hotel was like, we had a, we had like a whole apartment. So it was pretty big. And she'd be like, okay, where's, and she started calling us the Korean name for, she called Jason Appa right away, which is father. And she called Everett Opa, which is brother, big brother and Sabrina Aww. Oni, which is big sister. But then she didn't know what to call me. Oh. Um, because she had an Oma, like, right? Like, she'd, she'd use the word Oma for the foster mother. So uh-huh. she would just kind of look at me like, uh, I'm not going to call <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, so the second day, that evening, our friends, our good friends that we met in California who are, they're Korean. Um, so they went moved back to Seoul. They came over for dinner. And there was, like, this nice Korean restaurant in our hotel. And so we, we all went there. And they were, she Tessa, all, like, immediately realized, like, okay, these people can understand me and I can understand their language and so she when we were all sitting down for dinner Tessa just like walked over to the the mother of the family and was talking to her for a while and I was kind of looking like wow yeah she speaks really good Korean like she was just back and forth discussion and so then she sat down in her high chair and my friend came over and she said well Tessa came up to me and she said um have you seen my my mother I I really miss her meaning meaning her foster mother Mm -hmm. and she said so I explained to her you know this is your new family and and Tessa said, yeah, I know this is my new family. And she said, are you having fun? Yeah, I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun. And if you see my mother, could you just tell her, you know, that I, I miss her? And she's like, okay, sure. And, you know, and then my friend said, you know, this is your new mother, you know. And, and she said, okay. And so then she was kind of quiet during dinner and um, went to bed that night. And then the next morning when she woke up, she started calling me Oma, which is mother. So it kind of like she needed to talk about it with someone and she needed to think about it and. So, um, it's because she's just like a really logical person, I feel like. And so, um, I think that's helped her deal with kind of this, you know, this pretty drastic transition. Wow. She is so smart. Like she was not even three years old when she did. No, that. no. I wow. think she would, 
I think she had really good language skills. And so mm-hmm. she was able to really express like, this is going on. Um, yeah. I mean, even now, like she, um, she'll, her English is getting pretty, pretty darn good now, but when probably about a month ago, cause we have a babysitter that speaks Korean. And so the foster, the babysitter came over for like an hour and I, wa- I wanted them to meet and I was home too. And they were playing. We have this like little ice cream set and out of the blue, cause they were talking back and forth in Korean. <laughs> Tessa said to our babysitter, can you please tell my mom not to get me strawberry ice cream anymore? Cause I don't like it. <laughs> I want her to, to start getting me chocolate. And it's true. Cause she loves the color pink. So I'd always gotten her strawberry cause Sabrina likes strawberry. And so I'll like get the girls the same thing, you know, whatever. I don't know. And so, but she would never eat it. So I was thinking like, she just doesn't like ice cream or I don't know. But so she told me and I was like, oh yeah, sure. We'll get chocolate. So the next day we went and got ice cream and she, I got her chocolate and she like gave me the thumbs up sign. Like, thank you. Oh my like- gosh. <laughs> and she ate like the whole thing. It was like, thank you for getting clued in. Like, wow. so yeah, yeah. She's, she's like so, so funny. Smart. So yeah. smart. Well, she just turned. So did you get her chocolate ice cream? Cause I know she just turned three. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had chocolate cake with chocolate ice cream she loves chocolate so I'm like okay I do too so that's my kind of um, girl right there yeah yeah so it was was cool that she you know felt like she could advocate for herself and you know she just needed someone who could you know relay the message but it was interesting because she once she realized that our babysitter could speak Korean she's like I'm going to take this opportunity and put in my ice cream request and then I asked I asked the babysitter is there anything else I need to know like ask her and she Tessa goes nope that's all that's it like (laughs) oh my gosh that is so funny yeah like that covers it like okay so wow so yeah so do you think so with since she's learning English now obviously because you guys speak English are you going to um like as she goes to school because obviously like there's a huge Korean culture you know where yeah. you live like yeah. are is she gonna do you want her to be fluent in Korean and English like are you guys gonna learn Korean or like how have you thought about like what are you gonna do with that kind of like language um, part yeah I I've tried to learn Korean and it's just kind of hopeless I mean it's I, hard <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get beyond like a two or three year old level so um I you know I don't know I just just time wise and stuff but I would like her to continue with Korean so that when we go back to Korea, which we plan to do, you know, maybe in a few years, like every few years that she can understand. And especially if she, you know, we, we plan to visit the foster mom and that kind of thing that she could then communicate because the foster mom speaks no English. So um, there are, there's a Korean school here on Saturdays that she could attend. Not yet. She's too young. Um, And then there's also a, um, like a get together every Sunday or I think it's every other Sunday about like 15 minutes from our house for families who have adopted from Korea and is run by a Korean family. And that's just kind of their outreach to adoptees to teach them the language and the culture and they'll do crafts. And like we went to like a new Year's celebration. And so when our schedule permits with the other kids, we do go up there. And so then it's been neat. Cause it's it, the adopted kids get to know each other over the years and they feel like, Oh yeah, like there's other kids like me and you know, um, and like the families then can like we can learn the Korean cultures and they'll, they they give us like recipes and stuff like that. So it's kind of just whatever you want to do. But my idea, ideally, yeah, she would keep up at least the speaking part. I think you have to work really hard to have like reading and writing skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we're just wanting her to at least be able to understand and speak it like a, you know, 
third or fourth grade level so she could communicate get around that kind of thing if she goes over there Mm -hmm. no definitely definitely I love hearing like how like this went because one thing that I love that you guys did is you did a secret Facebook group for like your close friends who you wanted to like show kind of the process like as it goes and I love that so I remember seeing all these pictures of like the dinner that you're talking about with your friends and like it's yeah. so cool to hear like more of like how that all happened because I thought that was really cool because we could kind of be along with you while you were there. Right. Um, so yeah. I, I love, and then, you know, just like praying for you and like, you know, just knowing that like your friends are supporting you, even though we're not there, I think is so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, it's an amazing process. And I think a lot of people are scared um, to embark on the process, but I mean, honestly, I feel, I felt less scared about it than I did when I delivered because there's like <laughs> so many medical complications and I'm not a big fan of childbirth, you know, it, yeah. when it happens to me. So I'm, you know, like, <laughs> I know, some, I know. Me too. <laughs> some people, some people love it, but I, I don't. So, you know, like I, I was like, Oh, this is so great. Cause you know, I, I wasn't worried for my own health. So I was able to really, I felt like pour into someone else instead of being like, I'm in pain, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I would love it if more families would consider adoption as like a plan A. You know, a lot of families, I think they consider it as a plan B when they can't get pregnant. And so I do get asked if I'm just with Tessa, I will get asked by plenty of random people like, oh, you know, did you, could you not get pregnant? And so I was like, no, I, I did. And I could, and I could have again, but um, we, we've been planning this ever, even before we had biological children. This was always our plan A. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I love, and you know, I love that too. Cause we, we were roommates years ago and we always talked about that. So, oh yeah. I know that that's what, you know, that that's what it was. And I think it is like, I would love that too. If it was like not an assumption anymore, you know, that, right. that you would ask that as an assumption, but it was just like, you know, this is like your first choice because it's what yes. you wanted to do or something you always feel like you've always felt like how you wanted to grow your family. So I love that. Yes. Love that. Yeah, yeah, that it shouldn't be this, like, last resort or this taboo thing or, you know, that it could be more norm for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, so. yeah. So for so in kind of giving – since you guys are, like, full circle now, family of five, like, you went through this whole process, what, what advice do you have for people who are maybe on the fence or who would love to do something like that, but they just have, like, fear of kind of all of the unknown? Because you guys pretty much prepared for the worst, and it turned out the best. Yeah. Not that it's always yeah. like that, but, like, how, what, no. can you, what kind right. of encouragement can you give to people who kind of need that step to move forward? Um, I think just don't lead with fear. I mean, it's, it's, there's all, you know, fear can just kind of inhibit you from really doing so many wonderful things in life, but, um, also do your research. We did a lot of research with the various countries, you know, our agency, I mean, but we're also very data minded people, but, (laughs) you're both, um, you're both so, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, we kind of wanted to know what we're getting into and, you know, there's, there's, um, I mean, the very first step when you do international adoption is like the medical checklist. And that's really hard. You know, you go through and you check off what you're open to, what you think you can take on and what you can't. And I think my advice too is don't be afraid. You don't, you don't have to be like a hero. You don't have to say I'm open to just anything. You know, you, you only should take on what you feel like you can take on. And, um, and you know, I think that too will, will take away the fear. I think some families we met, they just felt like, they were just 
wanting to get the process done so fast that they felt like they had to check off any anything but in the end you know it might be more stressful so we we've we just kind of held true to what we felt like we could take on without having family around to help and and really the process wasn't that long it was you know it was two years start to finish and you know Tess is really healthy and doing great and so we we feel really blessed yes she's like completed your family and made it a you know, like it looks to me, it's like you always have had her, you know, and you have yeah. you just met her like recently kind of thing. And it's such a cool, cool thing to see and like hear about. So yeah, it does. Feel, it does feel like we've always had her. We actually have a nickname for her. She's we call her the secret sauce because she's like, she's like, I don't know. She just kind of completes us. Yeah. Meeting with each other. She'll tell them to stop. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> <She's so funny. laughs> She's really, yeah, she's, like, really goofy with Everett, which is, like, his love language. And she's, you know, loves to do, like, arts and crafts with Sabrina, which is kind of, like, her love language. So, um, yeah. So, it's, it's been it's been really neat. I think it's been, a, it's just been a really positive experience yeah. for us. Oh, that is so, so awesome. We have to figure out a way to all um, get together so all of our kids can, like, play and have fun and stuff for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. We're literally almost as far away as you possibly can be in the United States. I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. That would yeah. be great. We'll come out there. I think we like the beaches out there. So we'll have to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it was so nice getting an update and like hearing more um, details. And I'm so excited to like um, watch you guys like grow as a family and like, you know, kind of hear more about like, you know, growing up and how just how everything goes. And she sounds like such an amazing, you know, addition to your family. So I love it. And I'm so glad that you're able to, um, give us this amazing update. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yes. It's been been a fun journey. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening and be sure to check out our next episode. Bye. All right. Thank you.